Welcome back to Square Horror. I'm your Duke of Spook, Danny. I'm the intergalactic master of ceremonies, the the engineer of life, master of yes. ceremonies, Matt. Yes. Are you ready to build <laughs> some a universe today, Danny, or at least I'm, begin I'm to so flush excited. one out? I'm excited for us to engineer how our listeners Ooh. view the movie Prometheus. Yeah, we're going to get you guys, th- we're going to cover you guys in the thick black goo of lore uh. that, is, that is Ridley Scott's <laughs> alien universe. Well, we're going to get to the goo, but it's, it's yeah, not fun. We'll it's, not, <laughs> it's not like sliming people on Nickelodeon. It's like actually really yeah. bad. It's, um, it's like it, actually disturbing and disgusting. It really fucks you up. Uh, but we're going to re-enter the world of Ridley Scott's Alien franchise, uh, which we covered yes. many years ago, uh, and we're going to be covering both Prometheus and Alien Covenant, which are kind of together serve as the prequel to the Alien to franchise. Alien. Yes. Yeah, so these were both in our theme of postmodern sequels. These were both created in the uh, 2010s. I believe Prometheus was 2012, and next week's Alien right. Covenant was 2017. Right, right. Um, and so. it's kind of interesting to pick this one up. It's like this is one of the the couple of postmodern sequels that are like not the like this is before the age of requels. So like this is 2012. Mm-hmm. So to have a sequel to a franchise that the last time it was touched was like Earth, what was Alien Resurrection like 2002 something like that maybe the 90s that one that one was late 90s and then the Alien versus Predator movies were like oh, right. 04 and 06 okay so in any ca- <laughs> so in either case Alien versus Predator or Alien Resurrection so like either way you view the franchise the last time that there was an entry into the franchise was for something that was like an action horror movie so yeah. in this way, not only is it a postmodern sequel, so that's why we're covering it because it's still technically a horror movie, and it is—it's a space yes. horror movie for sure. Um, but it's also an interesting like perspective shift to mm-hmm. like uh, this is in the age of like you can really sh- tell uh, some really cool visual stories with science fiction, this and this movie is done in that way. Looks so good. Oh yeah, all the time, like. This movie had like a little over a hundred million dollar budget. I think it was like a hundred and twenty. But unlike some modern movies where like there's that it costs that much and you can't tell, this one you can like feel all of the details in like the set and costume designs of everything. Oh, like, absolutely. And the cinematography of this one, like I know I'll I'm a sucker for cinematography if you've learned anything about me over the past couple of years of the podcast. But like it looks so good in this movie all the time. Yeah, well, I mean, I think a lot of that is due to the fact that it's, you know, Ridley Scott, who's this red legendary uh, director, um, who, of course, mm-hmm. did the original Alien movie, he did Blade Runner, he's done Gladiator, uh, so he, from the late, the mid to late 80s, um, the 90s, that's the 70s for Aliens, this is decades of him making big movies and shooting mm-hmm. them in a very, like, like we talked about James Cameron because he did Aliens. Like the only way they could yeah. match this guy was be like, okay, um, you haven't made the Titanic yet, James, but like the guy that directed the Titanic makes your sequel. That's how yeah. big the movie you know type that you're making. Mm-hmm. Also, I think Ridley Scott is just so brilliant at making like movies in otherworldly contexts. Like everybody mm-hmm. forgets, myself included, that he directed The Martian. With, That's right. Um, in 2015 and that's such a good movie it's so different from his other space movies but it still shows that like ridley scott can do space like no one else yeah 
Um, I mean, the movies that he tells, like, in other, in other worlds, he does space really well. Um, he's also done, like, period pieces like Exodus, Gods and Kings. He's done Robin Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, fucking, let me just go down the list. Kingdom of Heaven. Uh, Hannibal, I guess. I totally forgot about that one. Oh, um, yeah. He also directed House of Gucci and The Last Duel, which was, like, a huge mm-hmm. Oscar draw the last couple years. And he directed a couple episodes of the TV show Raised by Wolves, which is another, like, really well-shot uh, sci-fi show. I think it's on HBO. Okay. Interesting. It also says he's doing um, another Gladiator movie. He's got a movie about Napoleon coming out this year, and there's another uh, Alien prequel movie, I guess, in the works as well. Interesting. Huh. Yeah, so I guess we'll have to come back to this if and whenever that one happens, too. Yeah. Um, I do want to also give a shout-out, because I talked about cinematography, to the cinematographer of this movie, who I'm going to butcher his name... um, because he's Polish, I think it's Darius Wolski, I think mm. is his name. But like he's done a bunch of like high profile things. Like he was the cinematographer for like all of the Pirates of the Caribbean movies. Oh, he did wow. um, Sweeney Todd with Tim Burton. He did The Crow in 1994. Oh no he way! He was the cinematographer. And then in the past like decade, he's worked on every Ridley Scott movie. Wow! Wow! I think starting with Prometheus. That's nuts. Um, I'm I'm looking at writers also. Um, John Spathis, he's written Dune, uh, and mm-hmm. he he wrote this movie with um, Dan O'Bannon and Damon Lindelof. Um, my Wi-Fi just crashed, so I cannot load their pages, but I'm sure they've written some uh, great movies so, as well. <laughs> like Damon helped write um, the recent Star Trek movies with um, oh, nice. Chris Pine, which kind mm-hmm. of to me like vibes with how this movie feels to me. Because mm-hmm. um, this movie at certain times gives me, like, Star Trek Into Darkness vibes, which is it, a yes. good thing, because I'm one of the people who loved that movie. I, I, I'm with you, man. I love, I really like that movie. Um, and he also wrote the um, 2019 Watchmen series. Oh, dude. That, oh, wow, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. This guy is on another level then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, shit. It looks like he also wrote um, The Hunt uh, from 2020. Uh, and a bunch mm-hmm. of he was a, he was one of the showrunners for uh, Lost. Yeah, man. Okay, so Ridley Scott brought out some b- pretty big fucking guns. big guns <laughs> to do this, um, <laughs> and I think that totally extends to the cast too. Yeah, let's let's get into this cast here because there's so right. many like big names in this. Yeah, man. Uh, all right. So th- at the top of the list, there's uh, Numi Rapace. I believe is her name. She's a Swedish mm-hmm. actress. She was in the girl, the original Swedish girl with the dragon tattoo franchise uh, mm-hmm. adaptations. I think those were it was before or after. I don't remember. We there's an American uh, one. The first one was or the 2009 one was before this because that's how Ridley Scott found her was through that movie. Nice. Um, wow. Yeah, she's really good. She's fantastic. She was, like, very into, like, making herself feel like the character. Because, like, during the movie, she would, like, ask her makeup team to be like, hey, can you give me, like, extra blood and sweat during this take? Because it feels like I'm not, I don't have enough right now. Damn. (laughs) Um, And there were other, like, big profile actresses that were up for um, the character of Elizabeth Shaw that she plays, like, uh, Anne Hathaway uh, Natalie wow. Portman and Carrie Mulligan 
and Whoa. a fellow cast member, uh, Charlize, Thera- uh, Charlize Theron, was mm-hmm. originally set to play Sh- play Shaw, um, but due to her commitment to Mad Max Fury Road, prevented her from taking the role. And then when that movie was delayed, she was able to rejoin as Meredith Vickers. Okay, and I think she's way better suited for this because so some of my better. favorite... I love Charlize Theron. I love everything that she does. But some of my favorite movies of hers are when she just plays cold bitch. And they're mm-hmm. so good because she's got this death stare that's so it piercing and it's so good. Yes. And she, it's yeah. the only expression that she wears on in this entire movie. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, we've also got a podcast return in Logan, Logan Marshall Green. He was an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, I guess he's also been in The Invitation. I think I missed that one. And oh, uh, that M. Night one. Shyamalan's Devil. Um, oh, include- yeah. I love, I actually love that movie. Unironically, I think it's great. Hell um, yeah. Spider-Man Homecoming, he was also... He, I think he was, like, Shocker or something in that. Oh, yeah, he was. I think he was, like, the first Shocker before he got, like, blown to bits or whatever. Right. Which was which like sucked, because after I watched Upgrade the, for the first time, and then I rewatched Spider-Man, I was like, oh, no shit, it's gray! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alright, can we talk about Michael Fassbender, Danny? Please. Okay, Do Michael it. Fassbender is... David, uh, first of all, I, Michael Fassbender has been in so many movies. I'm, I'm not even going to list them, and that's not because mm-hmm. I can't think of any of them right now. Inglorious yeah. Bastards is one of them. That's one of my favorites. Um, I was he's saying, like, right before this X-Men is when movies. he was Magneto in First yeah. Class. Oh, which I mean, good God, so good. The fact that uh, the fact <laughs> that he's only been uh, nominated for Academy Awards twice. And both of them yeah. were after this movie is kind of upsetting because he always gives like an award worthy performance. He gives a hundred and ten percent. Oh, absolutely! And I think that the this movie uh, he should have gotten nominated because he plays creepy really, really well in such mm-hmm. a like I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like if anyone could play a robot. Michael Fassbender can like he was just really good at like finding that middle ground between like humanity and like advanced AI and he just kind of straddles that line and he just stares at people really weird and I'm like don't look at me like that David Mm -hmm. well yeah David's such a fascinating character throughout this because like he he both is like so adamant about his search for knowledge and purpose but he's also just like you know what what if I just conduct my own research sometimes like I don't need to wait for other people. I'll I don't just keep like. Going. I don't like when David conducts his own research. It, it's usually very. <laughs> it scary. never ends well. It's very very frightening. <laughs> <laughs> uh, playing the captain of the Prometheus is Janik is uh, Idris Elba because <laughs> yeah. he's gotta be. He's gotta be here, man. <laughs> yeah, so people may remember Idris Elba from uh, movies like last year's Beast. Uh, right. Because we gotta have the horror twinge. People also know Idris Elba because he's amazing, and I still would be okay if he's the next Bond, even though he's getting a little bit older. I feel like it would be almost even better if it was, like, he plays the next Bond, but it's, like, after Bond has, like, retired. And then he yeah. could be, like, it could be, like, Logan, and it's, like, Logan, but it's James Bond, and you just call it 007, and that's it, and it's Idris Elba. I would be so down for that. 
and finally make him British, goddammit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's there was a point, I don't know, it's in my notes somewhere, but I was when they were like introducing the whole crew and like everyone was waking up. And I was like, it, this movie is full of people doing accents that are not theirs. Um, yep. And I'm like, why isn't he allowed to be full British? Why did they make him American? <laughs> He's the only American, right? No, no. I think so. Charlie uh, and Elizabeth, think I think, are. No, Charlie yeah. at least is. But yeah, I'm like, oh, man. <laughs> they never let him be British. He's like Tom Hardy. They're, like, they're both just too British. Like Their accents are too thick. And they're mm-hmm. like, you can't do it. Yeah. Um, let's see, who else is on this long list of people? <laughs> Do we want to just come to them as we meet them then? Because I know we've got the main characters out of the way. Uh, there's one more I want to mention just because of uh, an alternative casting that almost happened. Um, okay. Which is uh, Guy Pierce as Peter Wayland, oh, the yeah. uh, founder and CEO of Wayland Corporation. Yeah, from Alien, um, remember? Yeah, in case you forgot the Wayland yutani Corporation, which created this whole shindig. Back in the yeah. 70s with Alien and caused it's all actually, kinds of issues. It is very ironic um, watching the Whalen Corporation now, like in the Prometheus timeline, and how mm-hmm. it is by the time Alien shows up, and I'm just like, wow, you guys have always sucked. <laughs> yeah. Um, but apparently, originally, um, Ridley Scott wanted Max von Sydow to play the elderly um, Peter Wayland, but they decided to cast Guy Pierce so that he could play Wayland as both um, the younger man who was in an original draft of the script and as the older character, which we see in the movie. Yeah, I mean, Max von Sydow couldn't pull The Exorcist uh, when he was younger and he dressed up as an older man because now he's just an older man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I Guy Pierce is great. Um, he's in uh, the Count of Monte Cristo, which is one of my favorite movies. Um, mm-hmm. and I think he's in Iron Man three too. Yeah, I, I think so. Guy Pierce is. I think he's in that one. I don't know. I don't really think about Iron Man three very much. Uh, yeah, because he was the villain in Iron Man three. Yeah. Right. Uh, Aldous <laughs> Killian. Uh, also, because I have to point it out, because I think it's fun. He's an Australian actor, and we always love to see Australian actors do well. Bro, yeah. Well, I think Ridley Scott's Australian, too. Oh, yeah. I'm, like, 90% sure he's Australian, too. But again, uh, Australian writers, Australian directors, fucking awesome. I say, yeah, he's either Australian or English, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. Well, but English, anyway, that doesn't matter. Australian, we gotta... Those are countries on Earth, Danny, and we're gonna leave Earth for this movie. That's true. Um, because we're going to go to the stars and uh, try to follow along with us. We're going to try to make this as, uh, as you know, narrative-driven for the movie as possible and explain stuff along the way, because it is a thick movie. There's a There's lot a of lot stuff going that on. There's a lot happens in this movie. There's a lot going on. Like, there, like this is some pretty... It's <laughs> two hours. Yeah, it, there's a lot of, like, advanced science fiction and, like... You know, like, interest. it's like an interstellar where there's, like, a lot of science, but there's also a lot mm-hmm. of, like your brain hurts from thinking about how things are yeah it's just because of like this like what they're dealing with it's like pretty advanced stuff <laughs> mm-hmm. but uh we so yeah so let's get into it with yes. um actually the movie does start on earth i'm totally wrong 
Well, yeah, so um, the movie starts on some planet where there's this, like, humanoid-type thing that opens a can and drinks a liquid that essentially causes its body to, like, start to disintegrate. Yes. Um, as the, like, body falls into a waterfall really dramatically as we go into a really cool title card. As yeah, it's an watching, alien like, throwback. the DNA fall apart. Yeah. So, okay, this one's the first time that I went, um, what? What's happening here? <laughs> um, so, these these creatures, what they drank, we're going to see more of it later. This black goo, it's this nefarious mm-hmm. sort of thing um, that alters bodies. And in this case, when he fell into the water, his DNA was, like, fragmented. And mm-hmm. it ended up creating life on this planet. So, like, it was yeah. dispersed into the water, into the atmosphere, and, and these chemicals were in- introduced into the ecosystem, and they can create life, like intelligent mm-hmm. life. Um, yes. And that's pretty. That's pretty big. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, and like, I'm gonna I'm gonna mention this early on because I feel like it'll explain itself more as we continue to talk about it. But like, yes. this movie is really heavy in like themes and like centralized themes about things oh yeah like, there's a lot of big <laughs> <It's dense>. like, <laughs> intense themes of like what is god and mortality like do yeah. we deserve answers for our being or will it never be answered for us right um, and i, I that's, that's, that's the sort of thing that i'm like there there's a lot to it and i feel like knowing what's happening can give those arguments and like those themes more importance and more like they're more central if you aren't also trying to figure out what the hell's going on yeah well and like there was a time in uh an earlier draft of the movie that there was going to be a flashback to earth with one of these engineers um that the engineer was coming to um, earth to try to stop humans increasing aggression but was crucified implying that that was the equivalent jesus, jesus was an Christ. engineer what you're kidding uh, me <laughs> but <Ridley> scott said <laughs> that um, that explicit of a connection would be a little too on the nose i mean this movie is already like i i can imagine like if like i don't remember if it was when it, when i was younger but like this would have been one of those movies that like if it came out there would have been like a lot of church type people that'd be like listen this movie is literally the opposite of like everything we stand for because not only does it imply that god isn't real and that aliens created us there's also like straight up an abortion (laughs) scene yeah in it (laughs) and there's like about androids like you know creating life so it's all this stuff and you know yeah it's dense but it's Mm -hmm. i think it's it, it through the lens of science fiction, it's pretty cool. Like, once, again, you remember, like, for all its pomp and circumstance, it's still a prequel to Alien. Like, mm-hmm. the, the like, vagina spider, face hugger, like, alien <laughs> dickhead thing. Like, it's still that. Like, it's still Alien. Yeah. <laughs> They're just, you know, explaining it. Yeah. Um, so then, we do hop back to Earth. Um, specifically in the year 2089. So yeah, man, I'm an old man. Yeah, we we would be literally like Wayland. I think it would be is our age now. Like (laughs) I was gonna say, like the the main characters in this movie would be our grandchildren. (sighs) Man, think about that. How terrifying is that? That's really scary. (laughs) I don't like it. I don't like thinking about all that and that this is so close. Like it's not real, but it's too close. 
That kind of implies, because Waylon built David to, like, kind of be his image, that kind of implies mm-hmm. that Michael Fassbender, like, now, like, our timeline Michael Fassbender is about how old, like, Waylon looks like when we are 45. So, in mm-hmm. a way, Michael Fassbender is kind of like a time travel version of a person that might be young now. And that's kind yeah. of weird and hurts my brain. And that's what this movie <laughs> does to me. <laughs> Yeah, I will also put this out there right now. When you watch this movie, not if, when. Um, when. Make you sure must. to, like, bring your thinking cap. Like, this movie's not one you can just, like, throw on and, like, in the back no. and like, do other stuff. No, you gotta be able to, like, pay attention to this one. Or else you'll miss a lot of shit that goes down. And yeah, be very yeah. confused by the end. Okay, so follow us with you. All right, so our main characters, Dr. Charlie Holloway and his wife, Dr. Elizabeth Shaw, um, both of them are a, uh, they're co-researchers that are researching the origins of the human race uh, via alien intervention with early human civilization. Um, In particular, Charlie, who's a great guy. I love him. He's the Mm -hmm. uh, Logan Marshall Green, uh, that's not his name, right? That's his name. That's his name. I keep thinking about another actor whose name is Logan, and I feel like when I think of them, their names switch in my mind. Gotcha. Okay. Anyway, so Charlie is really excited because he just is like, well, I mean, if aliens created us, wouldn't we want to ask them why? Like, what's the deal? Um, But Elizabeth is a lot more on the train that these, these creatures, these aliens, these engineers... Uh, want mm-hmm. us to contact them like they want to get in touch with us yeah they were leaving calling cards for yes for us because they're finding all of these like old as fuck cave paintings that are like century like they're, they're millennia apart from one another mm-hmm. and on like opposite sides of the globe and they're well, all yeah. about this very specific cluster of like stars or something that would be too far for prehistoric humans without like an advanced microscope to even know about yeah. Well, yeah, and so um, they mo- they found their most recent one in Scotland, and this is the one where they were like, all right, listen, if we can get some big corporation to, like, pay the bills, we can go out and, like, find this place. Yeah, all we need is a bored Elon Musk type who just really wants aliens to be real to give us a bunch of money to do science. Yeah. And luckily, they find that in <laughs> Peter Wayland. <laughs> yeah, thank God. I feel like... I don't know. We don't know very much about Earth within the Alien franchise, but we know it's probably not awesome. Um, But uh, the silence of space is very refreshing. Um, And the the research team that they have recruited on the the research vessel Prometheus um, that has set out to an undisclosed planet with a crew of 16 um, different scientists, like of different fields. There's like geologists, biologists, um, Shaw, and... uh, Oh, God, his name Holloway are there. And then there's one android with them as well. David. Because yes, somebody's got to keep the ship afloat while everybody right. else is in cryo sleep. Because it takes right, a long time th- to go that far. So they are, cur- I looked this up, they are 34 and a half light years away from Earth, which is 306 trillion kilometers, which is even more miles. Uh, <laughs> that's the sort of trip that takes, like, decades 
And mm-hmm. in future movies that are like, you know, like futuristic sci-fi movies that are like this, there's always like cryostasis or some kind of life support to put mm-hmm. passengers into suspended animation so they can like wake up like no time has passed and it's been 10 yeah. years. Well, yeah, in this one, the travel only takes them four years because they arrive on like Christmas Eve of 2093. Mm-hmm. They arrive yeah, it's about like, four years. a couple days after I've turned 94. Keep that in mind, listeners. <laughs> Man, I'd be about to turn 95. That'd be weird. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be living on, like, Wally ships at that point. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, I hope while, we're on those ships. While they're still in um, cryosleep, we find out that David has a way to, like, neurologically link with each of the passengers as they sleep to, like, get a better understanding for their past. Yeah, like, to learn them. Because so, the thing about these AIs that, like, we see within, like, the Wayland AIs are mm-hmm. all about, like, th- they're supposed to be c- fellow crew members. So within their mm-hmm. programming, they have to basically learn human interaction to be approachable and safe to make humans comfortable with there being a fucking robot on their ship. Yeah. Like, who can walk and talk and look like a person. And, and one way that they can do this. it is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I have to mention this um, viewing of like dreams and flashbacks, mostly because this is where Patrick we get Wilson's our Patrick in it. Wilson cameo. <laughs> I literally typed it in all caps, and I was like, "Even Patrick Wilson's doing an accent." <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, Patrick Wilson um, in this movie, who we all know from the Conjuring movies or the Insidious movies, um, he is Elizabeth Shaw's father, who we don't learn a whole lot about at this point, besides the fact that like he's very supportive of people choosing their own beliefs and like figuring out what works for them yeah Um, and we find out later what happens to him which is upsetting i mean i guess it's pretty upsetting but the thing i think i learned most about her memory her dreams are that dr shaw has this incessant like obsession with searching for why that Mm -hmm. has she's just never been able to let go of her like even from childhood you know yeah she seems to be searching for meaning in the same way that david is constantly searching for meaning which i think is a really interesting parallel that i didn't put together until i'm speaking right now an hour and a half (laughs) after watching the movie right right well they definitely they even comment on it at some point in the movie when they're they kind of have a moment together and, and she's like you you just he's kind of under the assumption of like yes we we can search for answers but he goes about and we'll get to it um but he goes about it in a much more um like god complex type way um mm-hmm. when she is just thinking she's like i want to know why like why did you do this like why would you like create us and le- and leave us yeah. Um, and I honestly feel like it just comes from the fact that she, like, when we meet Patrick Wilson, he's talking to her about, like, you know, mom is gone, but, like, like he's trying to justify death within religion, that sort of thing. And I don't know, I just feel like her avoidance of making peace with the fact that death just is and there are no answers and there might just not be anything after but she mm-hmm. needs there to be there needs to be meaning to death for her yeah and i think she's just lucky that she's right because <laughs> otherwise this would be really yeah. sad <laughs> yeah it really would 
Um, but yeah, so David is looking in on the crew's dreams, um, and as much as David as an AI is trying to learn how to be approachable, like he's learning languages through all the time on the ship, uh, he's kind of just goofing off watching movies, learning the you know art of human conversation. Yeah, he's um, trying to learn how to be like a, a person by watching movies and emulating their speech patterns. Which is I mean, kind he, of adorable. He learns bits. Like, <laughs> I think that's where his uh, accent, like, his, he's got this, like, um, more posh-ish type British accent. Because it mm. comes from all the movies that he's watching. And I'm like, that's why he's got this, like, like dry, bitty sense of humor. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. he yeah. he, he's got jokes. David's got jokes. He's, he's a funny guy. Right, yeah. He, he, I mean... <laughs> He's also a monster, but, like... (laughs) Yeah, he's also terrifying, but he's a funny guy. Right, right. I feel like it's safe to say... I mean, mean, you you get red flags from David, like, immediately, so it's not really much to say that, like, David's not really playing for the home team very much. David's very much worried about David. Oh, it took me, like, five minutes to think about him (laughs) being a potential villain. Yeah, you're like, I think David just kind of cares about David. Um... (laughs) Because we learn later on when uh, Wayland is is introducing the the research team that um, David is basically Wayland's like Ultron, like mm-hmm. he's kind of this like he's a, he's a Wayland Co. Uh, specialty AI, but he's got a lot of he's like Megan, where there's not a lot of restrictions on him because uh, mm-hmm. he's this kind of very specific build. Um, that uh, Peter Whalen wanted. So he's kind of patterned off after Whalen's own psychology, but in a way that's like, because he's an AI, he's like smarter and he surpasses mm-hmm. Wayland. And it almost is like, wow. It, it, like, if you are like a greedy corporate businessman and then you create an AI to be better than you, mm-hmm. that AI might just be evil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. But anyway, um, meeting up with our protagonists as they're coming out of cryosleep, which um, Shaw is not doing really well. She's Her body is not <laughs> taking the cryosleep well um, as she wakes up and immediately just starts puking. Meanwhile, um, Vickers, uh, Charlize Theron's character, yeah. wakes up out of cryosleep and is immediately doing push-ups because oh, bro, this ain't her first up. rodeo. No, man, Charlie's Throne is in charge because of fucking course she is. Yeah. And Idris Elba is the captain because of course he is. Like, these are just characters that own it all the time, and they cast them as characters that own it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, like, my favorite thing is once they get to the planet and um, Holloway's like, hey, can you land us over there? Um, Idris Elba's just like, well, yeah, I'd be a bad captain if I couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> I love him so much. Janik is great. He's so <laughs> he, it's funny. It's great because there's a point where, um, like, later on during the storm, where it, like, all clicks for him. Like, he just mm-hmm. sees the whole thing, and he's like, hmm, gonna keep this to myself, just in case uh, y'all don't know about it. Yeah, I'm gonna let y'all figure this one out on your own. Right, right, right. He's like, hey, man, I just drive the ship, but I have figured out exactly what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, also, and, there is uh, Benedict Wong, who's Wong yeah, from Doctor Strange. Pilot. Right, right. And you know what's wild? Um, one of the, I believe it was uh, Damon, 
one of the writers uh, also mm-hmm. wrote for Doctor Strange. So I wouldn't be surprised oh. if when they when it came time for Doctor Strange, they're like, "Yeah, hey, we have to have this character Wong." And he's like, "Oh, but my friend Benedict Wong that I met on yeah. Prometheus. <laughs> Why don't we just cast him?" <laughs> I'd believe it. I support it. Yeah, I yeah, because like he's. He, he, it's it's him and one other guy whose name I can't remember, uh, but the two of them are kind of like the mini Nostromo team. It's like them and Janik are like, this is their ship. Like they're in charge mm-hmm. of piloting it. Um, then there's the scientists that are in charge of like doing the research. And then there's the Wayland Corp people under Meredith Vickers, uh, who's the, like the company rep. Um, and she's got a bunch of, like, she's there to look out for the best interests of, um, the corporation. I believe the job was, um, my job is to make sure you do yours. And I'm mm-hmm. like, hmm, okay. <laughs> okay, Charlie's the Yeah. Tell me what to do. Um, but the thing, <laughs> then they, but she's got mercenaries too. So there's a, a grab bag of people on this ship that kind of sets mm-hmm. it up in that classic alien way of, we know it's going to turn into survival horror at some point because it's yeah. alien. So it's having of all when. of these, right, exactly. And how, and it's cool yeah. that we have all these different types of characters around, um, that can add something. So they have like the scientist perspective, the soulless corporation perspective, the everyman perspective, and then David's perspective. So we have all of these mm-hmm. different types of people that make this movie kind of feel more alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so when they land on this planet, they find this like giant dome-like structure because Holloway's like, yeah, no, uh, nature doesn't work in straight lines. And I'm like, that's kind of true, especially when they're large straight lines and then a giant like temple looking place. Like that's probably not natural. That's probably someone made. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and, and it's it's uh, up until they get onto the the planet, like the moon, I believe. It's it's some whatever like area, like this very yeah. specific small place that they're like, this has an atmosphere, and they're like, all right, that's where we must be. But before they go down, like Meredith is definitely doubtful that the engineers even exist. Um, mm-hmm. But she's like, if you find them, like, don't make contact with them. Tell me about it. So don't engage. Know. Just report. Right. And she's very cryptic about it. Like she, and there's a lot of speculation of like, all right, is she in on something? Does she know about something? And the more we find out about her, at least for me, I think mm-hmm. is more interesting about like why she is the way she is. Yeah. Uh, and it's just this whole movie, like you said, themes like has all of these themes about like generational like 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 um like Oedipus complex type stuff. I'm talking like the mm-hmm. the murdering your father kind of thing. Yeah. Like that sort of um you know, like hate for the generation that created you. Mm-hmm. It's just this common theme that I'm like, what are you trying to talk what are you trying to say, Ridley Scott? <laughs> well and yeah, I really like that theme in this movie and it'll come into play a little bit more later, but I really like exactly. how uh, it was described in one article I was reading which was, it's the theme of creation and the question of, who am I, who made me, and why hast thou mm-hmm. forsaken me? It, yeah, it's and exactly... I think it's so interesting how they yeah, go it's about exact, it this one. Like, um, it's got all these parallels to the Frankenstein story. Like, the Prometheus yes. myth, I think, is, li- is literally mentioned in Frankenstein for the same mm-hmm. reason. Because it's like, as soon as you created life, and then you abandon it, the life is like, what, 
Why? Why am I even yeah. here then? Like, what's my deal? And for humans, that is a big existential question that sci-fi, you know, like, especially in, in recent years, and, I mean, ever, forever, they've always tried to answer those type of big questions. And this movie does it in a literal way. But to have mm. family archetypes in is also a very cool thing. But, you know. Yeah. Because, like, you know, uh, they are briefed by Peter Whalen's hologram. Um, mm-hmm. who's like, you know, by the time you see this, I'll be dead, but I'm financing the whole mission. You guys basically have to listen to Holloway and Shaw and, mm-hmm. uh, Dave, this is David. He's kind of like my alter ego. Um, he's kind of just like me, but better and he'll never die. Um, yeah. but he's like, but David doesn't have a soul and you can see it in David's eyes that he took it personally. <laughs> he did not like hearing that from his, he creator. didn't like it. No, but he, 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 Wayland expresses interest in, he's like, you know, the life after death mystery, you know, is very interesting to me. Uh, mm-hmm. He's very interested in uh, the doctor's research because he, he's like, you know, if we can contact them, like, what could we learn? Yeah. Uh, and the the research team points out that the system that they're going to has this habitable moon. Um, and Shaw expresses once more how she's like, I'm really, really excited for the engineers to, like, be so excited that we found them. Well, yeah, like, I'm she's, so excited she's, for them to <laughs> want to answer my questions. Right, yeah, they're going to be like, oh my god, thank you, like, you, it's so wonderful that you found us. Like, oh my god, our little children have come home to us. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know, this doesn't sound very promising. This, this is not going to go the way you think it will. No, because when they go to the big scary temple, um, <laughs> it's not his temple, but like the big structure on another yeah. planet... Everyone immediately is like, I don't think these engineers um, were awesome. No. Well, like, the first one they find is a decapitated engineer right in front of <laughs> yeah. a monolithic statue of a humanoid head. Yeah, it's, it's a bit intense. And surrounded uh, by these little, like, jars that, if you've seen an alien movie, look like they're going to burst a bunch of facehuggers out at you. Bro, you know it's bad. You know, you know that it's any- bad. If there's ever a bunch of capsules just, like, equidistantly spread apart in a room, it's bad. They were set up um, there. Like, they weren't, they yeah. didn't happenstance. That they was on, on purpose. purpose. And then David, because he starts poking around in the mm-hmm. tunnels, he figures, like, he finds this sort of, like, security camera type footage that basically plays a hologram of, like, what happened within the ship. Yeah. Uh, so they can watch events from the past unfold, and they watch a bunch of these um, engineers uh, running down a hallway away from something. Mm-hmm. Um, they follow these holograms to find this dead one who has been decapitated by a sealed door. Um, yeah. that when they get through it, they find a huge room of these sealed capsules, these weird mm-hmm. murals of the engineers, all their, like, the H.R. Giger sculptures that, like, were the inspiration for Alien in the first place. Mm-hmm. And David finds out that the capsules are full of this very ominous black goo. And that black moves. goo in sci-fi, yeah, and black goo that moves in sci-fi is never, ever good. Do no. not touch it. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, and as soon as he touches it is when Shaw realizes that the murals above them are moving and, like, changing. Yeah. And, like, that's also never a good sign. No. Well, it, it, she was freaked out because they had removed their helmets because they had found out that within the build, within the structure, there was mm-hmm. a breathable atmosphere, um, which yeah. implies that when the engineers were here, they were at least terraforming this area. Um, kind of think of it as like 
um, you know, in The Martian when, you know, like, there's that, like, base that, that Matt Damon's character, like, lives on, on Mars. Yeah, that has, like, yeah, li- yeah. It has, like, life, it has, like, life support and stuff. This mm-hmm. is, like, that for the engineers because they were at this outpost moon to do stuff that we'll get to yeah. later. But they're able to breathe. So because they're able to breathe, they're, you know, we're exhaling carbon dioxide. And this mm-hmm. environment probably hasn't seen carbon dioxide for thousands of years. And so it, it's going to change the, you know, the air quality very quickly. A lot of things are going to start decaying. So the team freaks out because, like, we need to preserve this head so we can take it back yeah. for science. Well, and even before then, uh, two of the crew members who we haven't talked about yet, um, their names are Milburn and uh, Fifield or Fifield. Yeah, Fifield. Um, they both freak out as soon as they see the decapitated body, and they're like, "This is not what I came here for." <laughs> Fifield is like, "I'm a geologist. I like rocks. Yeah. I don't want to yeah. see this." <laughs> He's like, listen, I don't want to fuck with aliens. Like, I didn't even know these things were real. I was just like, ooh, another planet. Let's go learn about rocks. I didn't mm-hmm. know there were aliens. I didn't know we were here to learn, like, why we were created. Yeah. So, I like, just want to know about rocks, damn it. Because they run away because they're like, we don't want to be a part of this. So they're not with the rest of the crew when... Um, as shit starts to go down and a storm starts heading towards the area, they need to mm-hmm. get the hell out of Dodge. Right. Yeah, they've got to uh, they've got to grab that engineer head um, and and book it back to the ship, but not before David takes can take a, a cylinder, right? And um, I think th- the fact that they were breathing in the atmosphere also caused all the capsules to start releasing the goo, so all of them mm-hmm. are now like you know leaking. This goo is they're everywhere. opening, right? So back at the ship, um, the like they they barely make it. Um, mm-hmm. they, they almost get killed by this storm that looks like it's just, like, throwing, like, glass and rocks and stuff at you. Like, it looks very, very bad. Yeah, um, very dangerous. Once they, but once David they're able to... the day. Yeah, thanks, David. Honestly, um, I don't trust you, but I, I'm glad that you chose <laughs> to save me. But I appreciate you. <laughs> right, like, I don't know why you chose to save me. Um, human life doesn't mean anything to you, but I'm mm-hmm. glad that you did, and I'm cautiously like, okay, please leave me alone. Cautiously optimistic. So the engineer head, once they're able to examine it, it sports some of these, uh, like, splotches on, like, the, the, the cranium, mm-hmm. and... Once they stimulate the nervous system, they find that, like, when this engineer was decapitated, he was in the midst of, like, dying a very painful, like, infectious death. Yeah. Uh, well, and it, as it continues to, like, have this happen to it, and they get it back into, like, a contamination center, its head explodes. Yeah. Into so, a bunch of, like, green goo. So we know that, um,. The engineers were running from something, some kind of outbreak um, that kills you bad. Um, mm-hmm. And around the same time, we learned that while David is experimenting with this capsule, he learns that, like, the goo inside is kind of fishy. Um, mm-hmm. So he decides to test it on Charlie. <laughs> well, yeah, so before before he gets to Charlie, Char- uh, Charlie and Shaw have this, like, really intense scene together where they talk about like what's the purpose of life and Shaw yeah. gets like real emotional for a little bit because like it's suddenly dropped on on us as the audience that like she's infertile and she's not dealing with it well yeah which no, i did I, not expect in my alien movie 
a like big to do about like infertility and how that affects a, a religious person. Well, right, because not only is she religious, um, but like having a like the big discovery of the day not only was the head, but they learned from the head that the engineers and human DNA is the same. Are the same. So like. Yeah. So they got their answer. Like, we came from the engineers. Like, they made us somehow. So, you know, Charlie kind of makes this offhand comment that, like, well, I mean, this kind of answers the fact that, like, anyone can create life. And she's like, I can't. I can't create life. What does that say about me? Yeah. And it's it's kind of heartbreaking in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah. It's it's also got this sort of it, – it, it perpetuates this theme of, like, if – you know, the legacy of every, like, you know, generation is to resent the one that came before it. Mm-hmm. Um, not only now am I thinking, what did we, our generation, who are grandparents in this timeline, do uh, yeah. to, to get to this point? So, like, we better watch out. Um, but also, <laughs> like, what does that mean for you if to, to know that you're the last of your species, the last of your yeah, generation? Of your like, generation. Right, like, because then you're faced with mortality. And mm-hmm. if if you are struggling to find the purpose for life, death is going to terrify you because if you, why would you die before knowing the answer? Mm-hmm. And I think that that sort of um, obsession is very unhealthy, <laughs> first of all. Yes. But, but, the, but the way that the different characters throughout this movie deal with that and deal with mortality... Again, there's just so many themes <laughs> stacked on top mm-hmm. of each other. That it's like all these characters dealing with all of it throughout the movie. And they all mm-hmm. do it in such different dynamic ways because of their differences. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, and yeah, so David starts to like make small talk with uh, Holloway. And is like, hey, you want a drink? And Holloway always wants a drink. So he's like, yeah, let's do it. Do you want to Hell yeah, dude. David? But David's you like, can't no, drink. it'd be kind of wasted on me, I think. And it's then, like, oh yeah, you're a fucking he's robot. Super subtly, like, for lack of a better m- metaphor, he like date rapes he, like, do- this drink <laughs> with the, that with he gives goo. to Holloway with the alien goo because right. uh, Holloway said that he would do anything for answers. And David's like, okay, I'll sign you up for my own experiment without you knowing. Right, because he uh, Charlie's kind of been moping because they found the engineers, but they were all dead. Mm-hmm. So yeah. they they don't get any answers really. They're just left with more questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so he because he just wants to know. He's like, well, if they made us, like, just why? Like, tell us, you know, what what the deal is. We just want to know. Mm-hmm. Um, like, even if even if you're kind of the proverbial like parent that left, like, we don't need to have this relationship. We just want to know, like. Are we supposed to be doing something? Like, why did mm-hmm. you make us? You know, is there a point? Um, and that sort of opening that door, I think, is just set you up for really esoterically scary or disappointing answers. Yeah. Which th- they all do. <laughs> um, but back in the structure, because um, g- the geologist and the biologist left the group, before the mm-hmm. storm, they are stuck in the structure waiting out the storm because not only is it too powerful for any of the crew to rescue them, but they also are kind of fucked up when it comes to, like, their sensors. Like, they just can't hear anything mm-hmm. in the storm. So they're kind of on their own. Um, yeah. And they make more discoveries. Yeah. 
So, so like the, the biologist, being a biologist, starts to see, like, movement and is like, ooh, let's find out what's alive here. Um, and then he starts to see this, like, reptilian tentacle creature, for lack of a better term, um, and decides to, like, try to touch it, which is mistake numero It's a bad uno. idea. Never it's try to touch idea. something you don't know what it is. <laughs> like, I feel like that should be, like, number one on the, like, biology checklist. Yeah, he, I'm not he, a biologist, like, but, like, that feels like it goes right, against like, so many principles. I feel like if you're a biologist, you know that the fundamental rule of nature is kill or be killed. And mm. if you meet a brand new species, you shouldn't automatically assume that it's not going to kill you. Because yeah. this guy clearly, I mean, the movie hadn't come out yet, but this made me think a lot about uh, life. Um, the yeah. one that we covered back a couple years ago. Where mm-hmm. as soon as they learn that, oh shit, it's really powerful, they also learn, wait, we don't know how to, like, stop it. Because yeah. not only is this thing really strong, and it, like, latches itself to the guy's arm, um, first of all, it kind of resembles a facehugger, just a wee bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it's it's uh, the, like, proto-facehugger. It's the proto-facehugger. It's it's the engineer facehugger. Yes. Um, but, uh... It, it it wraps itself around his arm and uh, it busts open a, a, a it breaks section of the his suit. arm and yeah. opens up the it suit busts... by, with his bone, which is ah. yeah, which it, it's which sucks for it because the whole time the other gun's trying to cut it off, and as he cuts it, the blood spurts onto his helmet and it melts his helmet because mm-hmm. just like acid the xenomorphs blood. that we know, they have acid blood. Um, and yeah, so yeah, so it, it crawls into the suit and it finds the first orifice it can find in the guy's mouth. And mm-hmm. instead of face hugging onto it, it kind of just slurps right down into his body. Uh, yeah. Well, and, um, the geologist, since his, uh, helmet is melting into his face, he falls into a puddle of the, like, moving the black goo. liquid. Yeah. Uh, so it doesn't really end well for them uh, on no. this day of scientific discovery. Um, um, and so, and... sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying we just now things start to get bad for everybody. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the next morning, uh, Holloway wakes up and is like, "Hey, I'm not feeling too great. Like, what's going on?" And then he sees something move in his eyeball. Which, listen, I put contacts in my eyes, but if anything is ever moving in my eye, I think I might have to rip my eye out. Like, full-on Saw style. I don't think I can oh, yeah, do man. it. <laughs> yeah, man, neither can I. I wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't have left my room that day <laughs> as soon as well, I yeah. found that. And I would maybe tell the person I just spent the night with being my significant other, being like, hey, something's up. Um, watch out for yourself, because like, we definitely just slept together last night. And I'm hey, certainly might- not doing well right now. <laughs> You might want to get tested. I think I'm sporting some kind of space worm, and yeah. um, I don't know how that works fluid transfer-wise, but I would assume it's not probably great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, um, but the, I mean, the whole crew call. is called up. Yeah, yeah, they're all called up to go get their fucking doomed scientist friends, mm-hmm. because this is around the time that Janik is, he, he gets back in touch with the guys um, right before they get, you know, murked. Um yeah. Right but he's got like, got. yeah, he's like, there's a, there's a signal, like a life support, like a life signal, like in, in, like in the probes that we've got in the uh, structure, mm-hmm. there's another, like a life form that's showing up and it keeps showing up for like two or three seconds and then it goes away and then it comes up like later. 
uh, somewhere else. Like, it's moved. Um, and he's like, this is uh, not right. Something is wrong here. Like, he's already putting the pieces together in his mind. Yeah. Like, if I, like, in those uh, shots of Idris Elba where he's just kind of, like, forlornly looking at the, the map of the room, I can mm. think, like, if if you could see his thought, like, a thought bubble, it would be, like, you know the Lego games, like the Lego, like the Lego, Lego uh, Star Wars yes. or Lego Indiana Jones? You know when you're, like, building something and you're just, like, the, the pieces are coming together and they're about to, like, finish and you're going to get a bunch of studs? Mm-hmm. He's building it right now. He's building, oh, yeah. like, hmm, this looks really suspicious and bad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, and as they're out there, like, Charlie is continually getting worse. Like, he's starting to, like, look bad. Like, real bad. Right. Um, while they're also realizing that, like, oh, all this, like, black goo is out here. Was this doing this yesterday? Oh, no, it wasn't? That's a great sign. No, and it's definitely David's fault, because he's kind of poking around. Like, he finds where one of the probes has kind of been stuck, uh, he opens the, the the door, and it's a room that is absolutely, like, weapons-level stocked with goo mm-hmm. capsules. Um, and then another sealed room of, uh, it's like a it's like a flight deck um, mm-hmm. where the engineers were, um, and there's all these, like, life support pods. Um, yeah. And he sees the, um, the, the, the recording of the ship, the, like, the ship log. So he's watching the engineers as they were, like, moving around here. They were getting ready mm-hmm. to go somewhere. Uh, and he notices that the place they're basically setting a course for was Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and he learns and, how to like control the ship by like yeah. f- replicating what they did, which includes yeah. like a flute tune. Which I love. Yeah, that playing the flute. <laughs> the engineers have to learn the flute in order to be a captain of a ship. Right, like it's like to turn on their ship, they had to like play music for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But, uh, so, this is when the wheels are starting to turn for David, because he has just found a big stock room of this black goo that so far he's learning, um, at least doesn't leave life forms better than the way it mm-hmm. found them. Um, yeah. In one way or another. But he's also learned that the engineers were about to bring this ship that was full of this black goo to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's and, assembled, yeah. Well, uh, he... He also realizes that in one of these essentially cryogenic sleeping tubes, there is a still alive engineer. Yes, the engineer is still in. He's like on life support still. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they won't really have time to get into that because Charlie is getting worse and worse and worse. And they bring, him, bring him back, back to, to the, the ship. medics. Right, because they have that really cool, like, medical bay that basically is, like, you can cure any illness or do any surgery procedure if, if you just lay inside of it. Mm-hmm. But it would be breaching quarantine to bring him back on the ships, so uh, Meredith sets him on fire. <laughs> well, and she doesn't want to. I think it's really important to note that... No, like, yeah, it's... it's Charlie she is to. the one who's like, I... You have to do this now or else it's going to get worse for everybody. You have to burn me to death. Yeah, he's like, you have to kill whatever's inside me. Mm-hmm. And Shaw does not take that very well because she's not happy about continuously losing all the people in her life to uh, no. illnesses and death. No, and then to make matters worse, she somehow like is pregnant. She, like she, David's yeah, checking David's her out. Like, and, <laughs> by I the way, ha- you're pregnant. I have to ask because, because it's like protocol and everything is there a chance you could be pregnant and she's like no and he's like well you are so uh good luck with that we're gonna put you in cryo sleep 
Um, what I'm I think should have been ultrasound because no. uh, you'll freak out. What I think is is a really big tell for um, Doctor Shaw for how David has already David has now put pieces together like he's got a plan, but mm-hmm. no one. It's not really clear on what it is. And that's what's scary about him is that he you figured out that he's up to no good, and you yeah. just don't know how up to no good he is. Like how terrible mm-hmm. is it about to be? So be, we know that he definitely dosed Charlie with the black goo, and mm-hmm. Charlie had sex with Elizabeth before they um, found out about the crap in his eye and the mm-hmm. fact that he was sick with something. So he's asking her as like, okay. You know, did you guys have intimate relations? And she's like, yes. And he's like, okay, well, you're pregnant with something. And you're like three months pregnant, too. Right. It's not just a fresh pregnancy. Like, there's something growing right now. So the policy then should probably be to quarantine and or terminate Dr. Shaw because she Mm -hmm. is nursing some sort of, of pathogen. She probably knows this. Because yeah. she's like, get it out of me, get it out of me. And I'm like, yeah, but like, we don't know how fucked up it might have He's gotten like, you well, already. He's like, well, we can't, we can't do that. And so right. she but fights the thing is, back. He, but the thing is that David tells her, like, you have to keep it. Like, cause, and mm-hmm. we're going to put you in back into life support. And I'm like, that's interesting. Like, there's no reason that she would need to be, like put into cryo sleep with this thing. Like, that's very fishy. Um, so for some reason, David wants this child to come into the world. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Shaw does not want this, because this thing's no. going to wreck her life. Um, yeah, you so, don't know what the fuck it is. <laughs> like, childbirth as it is is already, like, frightening enough if, like, you don't have all the right things ready. Um, if you're giving birth to a random thing that you don't know what it is, you don't want to do that. Um, no. And so... Shaw fights back against, like, her fellow crewmates who are trying to put her in cryosleep so she can get to this, like, magic surgery tube. Um, mm-hmm. And then she finds out it was set to only, um, no only. male <laughs> surgeries. So she has to, like, teach it what a cesarean section is before she can get this thing taken out of her body. Yeah, this movie, like you said, like, pregnancy, birth is already kind of scary, depending on the person already, but, like, this mm-hmm. movie does turn into body horror very, very fast. And uh, not for because, long, but, like, for this whole section, it's it's uncomfortable. Yeah, it's very uncomfortable, because she, she's trying to get, yeah, the, the fetus out, because she's like, I need a cesarean section, and the machine's like, sorry, no girls allowed. Yeah. Uh, and then she, yeah, she has to be like, alright, well, I can do it myself. And uh, so, I mean, kiss your careers goodbye, doctors and nurses of tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but um, the baby, um, uh, it's not really human whatsoever. It's a squid. It it's like literally a squid. A squid. It's yeah. literally a squid. Um, and it's clearly very pissed that it's gotten the McDuff treatment. Um, but <laughs> Elizabeth is able to escape from the pot and hit the like decontamination button, which like I guess is supposed to kill it. I think it just knocks it out, honestly. Right. Yeah. Because it, it does something. But it's at it least not an issue it. for right now. Right, yeah. She's gotten away. She stapled her uterus up, which just... Jesus uh, Christ. Well, yeah, because, um, like... Can I, can I talk about this scene for a second? Cause it, please, go ahead. Because, like, not only does... She, she, like, grabs a handful of, like, uh, needles to, like, give herself some anesthesia. 
but also it like sprays a like straight line of anesthesia where it's going to laser open her yeah, laser body. It. Um, and then it like has these essentially a toy claw machine that pulls out the squid, and then it, just <laughs> it is that. Sta- and then it, in its wisdom, doesn't like cauterize the wound. It just staples it. It just, like, it staples just has it. a stapler that goes in a straight line. And then this poor girl has to continue to run for her life with her uh, just having had surgery and being held together by staples. Keep that much. That is how she deals with the rest of this movie. Yeah, and they make sure you freaking remember it, too, because they yeah. keep hitting her conveniently in the stomach, and I'm like, please stop. This I don't want to think about badly. it. <laughs> um, yeah. But this is when um, Shaw finds out that Wayland is not dead. Yeah, so that was fact, what the big... on board. So uh, w- there's a lot to unpack with this scene. Um, the, the, first of all, we probably should talk about the fact that Fifield comes back as, like, a super mutant. Oh, yeah, I forgot, I almost forgot about that. he totally showed up, like, because he fell into the black goo, and then just walked up to the ship, and then they open, like, the mercs opened the door, and he just killed them. (laughs) He just starts (laughs) killing Yeah, he had, like, super strength, and he's, like, just murdering them. Uh, and he he kind of just kills people until they run him over, set him on fire, and shoot lasers at him. Yeah, their phasers in this movie are not very effective. They are uh. literally phasers. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like, Idris Elba shows up and just sets him ablaze after he's run over by this, like, giant moon rover mm-hmm. multiple times. Because that's the only thing that so, would keep him down. So we're starting to kind of see that the black goo has a a mutative effect on the whoever the host is. Mm-hmm. So upon contact, it can well it does kill, um, but if you're already dead, it seems like it can reanimate you. I think. Yeah. I mean, it do, it doesn't seem to be like a limit to what it can do. It kind of just mutates whoever touches it mm-hmm. uh, into something else. Uh, and it, it seems to just be this, um, I mean, if the engineers have a bunch of it, they're uh, experimenting with it, which is probably the reason they're terraforming this moon so they can run experiments, because it's basically like, you know, when we tested nukes in the desert, it was just away yeah. from people, because it's devastating, you know, if it gets well, out. You wouldn't, want it to, you wouldn't want this, like, accidentally just showing up on somebody's front door. No, this seems like a really th- bad thing to yeah. to get out, if if, if at all. But yes, like you said, Peter Wayland is alive, and uh, he kind of brings Dr. Shaw up to speed on what his plan is to contact the engineers. Mm-hmm. Well, and this is also when we find out that um, Wayland is Meredith Vickers' dad. Right, so that made a lot of sense given the fact that this whole trip she's like i couldn't be bothered with who the fuck made humans i'm trying to run a business here mm-hmm. and i'm i have to just wait until my idiot father dies so that we can stop wasting trillions of dollars finding aliens and start wasting trillions of dollars on i hope trying Other to fix aliens. earth yeah <laughs> or that you know well and like or at the is- very least <laughs> it, it shows that like they pivoted to be like, mm-hmm. okay, so that actually did pay off. We can yeah. use those things as weapons. 
Well, and this is when I think it gets really interesting to like look back on how Vickers and David have interacted the whole time, because little yeah. did we know, they're essentially siblings this whole time. Weird, right? Which also kind of brings me back to a moment that isn't really important, but I do think it has a lot to do with Idris Elba's character uh, of Janik, where there's one scene where like he's talking to Vickers, and he's just like, are you an android? Because, like... <laughs> If you if you wanted to hook up with me, you could just say so. And then she gives him an invite for ten minutes later. So you know they got it on. Because Idris two- Elba <laughs> is like, listen, if you, if you, the only reason that you won't fuck me is that you're a robot. So prove to yeah. me that you're not a robot. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? His game worked. Uh, it, yeah, because he's Idris Elba. <laughs> yeah, true. Um. But yeah, so then um, Wayland is essentially like, yeah, we're going to go talk to the engineers because they're not all dead. Surprise shot. There's one that's still alive. Do you want to come with us or no? Yeah, so she, she originally when, when he's telling her his plan, she has kind of already become disillusioned with the engineers. She's like, well, I feel like they just kind of wanted to like, they, they made us for like a goof basically. And then they were going to kill us. Like, they were planning on bringing this ship of the goo to Earth to fucking yeah. wipe us out because they were just sick of us. Mm-hmm. Which, um, you know, that doesn't really sit right for someone who is a human. So <clears throat> she's kind of got, like, a, it doesn't really matter that we have this, uh, you know, engineer sort of relationship if they don't care about us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Plus the fact that like David already knows that they're going to destroy that they they were planning on it and he just mm-hmm. doesn't tell Peter because he's like mm, this will be funny because the person we'll, that we'll made me is not as smart right yeah <laughs> it's hubris it's all about the hubris dude that's why David's so evil <laughs> yeah um, and so they get to the engineer and they break him out of his uh, cryogenic pod and the engineer responds by um, after David tries to speak to him in like a in ancient language, um, yeah. the engineer responds by decapitating David and killing Wayland and his team, uh, except for Shaw, who runs away, and then starts up the spacecraft about to head to Earth. Yeah, like, he was about to finish the work they fucking started. But I also just love the fact that he decapitates uh, David, and then he beats Peter to death with the head. With his head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is brutal. Like... Right, Again, right. it's ultimate hubris of being destroyed by the thing that you created by something you didn't know was real. Yeah, yeah. I think that it, that same line of thought also applies to Meredith, too, because she went with them. But before they left, she was basically like, like, listen, while you wasted your time trying to use the company to find aliens to, you know, prolong your life, which isn't going to fucking happen, I'm ready for the company. So, Dad, please, just, like, I've earned it. Just give it, can you stop being so shitty and preoccupied with aliens and, like, validate your daughter for fucking once in my life? Like, so I get it. Uh, And I can see the frustration, and, I don't know, I I think that it's it's something that now that we all know that the engineers were kind of, like, you know, shitty, and that they're trying to kill humans, it kind of makes this whole experience, like, a waste of time. Like, mm-hmm. in her mind, it's like, we, we we came out here to learn that the aliens that we, you know, 
that were gonna kill us and thankfully didn't because this goo they were gonna kill us with got away of them and killed all of them before they could kill all of us. Yeah. We just helped them fast track the extinction. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so Shaw gets in contact with the crew still on the Prometheus and they're like, hey, listen, um, this ship's about to take off. I'm trying to avoid it like the beginning of Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear sequence. Because, um, like, the ground is opening up underneath me. But, like, this ship, if it gets out there, it's going to destroy Earth, so you don't have a home to go back to, Vickers. So, um, maybe just, like, hit the ship with your own ship and knock it out. This well, is, yeah, because that's something this that is all you Janik... Got. That was something he told Shaw before she left, is he's like, listen, my job is to make sure that not a single ounce of that goo leaves this planet. None of that's coming back to Earth. Like, I don't care. So as soon as she kind of... Because she calls them up on the radio and is like, listen, they're going to basically destroy Earth with this goo. Yeah. Um, you can't let that happen. Uh, you know, and the whole time Meredith's like, we need to leave. Like, we just need to go back to Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I... I don't know, man. By this point, David also can't be trusted. Like, he's ahead, but he's still, like, alive. Yeah, he's still communicating. Yeah, he's still communicating, and, and he's, you know, he's still stuck on the ship, but I can only imagine that he's now fully figured out, like, all right, the engineers who made humans can just as easily kill humans on a whim because they can. And yeah, this whole movie, he's kind of... to create. Yeah, and as he's been developing a respect for the engineers so far in this movie, because he's really fascinated with the fact that, like, humans created androids on a whim, Mm-hmm. And that's kind of disheartening to know, just because they could. And yeah. for androids then to, like, specifically David, who's an android with this sort of built-in megalomania, he's going to start putting pieces together of, like, well, I think I can use this goo to, like, be my own sort of god power creator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what is the end game here. Okay, so we've got the ship um crashes into the uh the engineer's ship before um he's able to leave the atmosphere. But Vickers um, is able to escape on her like safety pod, which is where she doesn't know this yet, but that is where the um C-section squid alien is also still located. So that is still on planet. Yeah, that's and still on planet, but she she gets to the escape pod to get to the, like, separate shuttle that, like, she was living in before, mm-hmm. um, and because now that the ship has been, like, shot down, um, it's, like, crashed and it's gonna fall, so they've gotta run to this capsule, you mm-hmm. know, to actually flee the planet. Um, they make the break for the escape pod. Thankfully, because of her in- injuries, Dr. Shaw can't run as fast. Um, Mm -hmm. So she kind of rolls to the side, and Meredith should have run in a sideways fashion, and she's unfortunately crushed. Yes, she does not make it. And then Shaw is almost crushed, but thanks to Rox, survives. Rox, yeah. Um, And so she gets to um, the lifeboat, and uh, that's when David's like, hey, um, the engineer's not dead, and he's coming to get you. He's coming for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, and it's, it's like, just in time for it to break into the room and for her to unleash her giant squid baby. 
yeah. onto the engineer. Uh, which it's kind of like like the squid is kind of like a giant face hugger because it kills the engineer in a very similar manner. Um, and we'll come back to this. It's kind of like the end credit scene, but like that's an important evolutionary step in the black goo, mm-hmm. and we'll explain it when when we get to it. Uh, and yeah, so then David's like, "Hey Shaw, uh, are you still alive? Did did you make it?" Uh, if you did, can you can you please grab my head? I'd I'd like to be able to be a, a functional body again, please. And I can help us get off the space. I can I can get us off the off this planet. There are other spaceships, and I know how to control them. Right, because he, he, he's seen how they uh, how they can fly, and like they both are like, all right, we don't trust one another, mm-hmm. uh, but we it's the only way off of the um, the planet, and. Well, and- uh, and David's like, okay, so are you ready to go back to Earth? And Shaw goes, no, I don't want to go to Earth. I want to go to the engineers, where they came from, and I want to know why they were going to do what they were going to do. Right. And it's the he's, he kind of second-guesses her. He's like, listen, I mean, does it really matter? Like, why? Because Shaw wants to know why they changed their minds, like, why they wanted to kill them. And David's like, does it matter? Like, mm-hmm. it really won't change anything. Um, and I feel like that's a, like, a, such a human thing to want. Because she, he's like, I don't see the point in wanting to know. She's like, well, yeah, that's what makes me human and you a robot. And yeah. in that way, it kind of doesn't come out right for humans. Like, that seems like a flaw in our design. Mm-hmm. That, like, even though it doesn't matter, we just care about it because we need meaning. We need, we can't accept that it's, they destroy us because they just, we're like, who cares? They don't know us. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, David, who was planning on going back to Earth with his goo, um, is now already reworking his, like, I kind of want to try being God plan, um, Mm -hmm. now that they're going to see the engineers instead. Um, and while I know Dr. Shaw doesn't trust David, I don't know if she should trust him as much as she already does. Yeah. Yeah, David, David could be a bigger problem if, if they let him do whatever he wants. Right. Um, and we'll get into that in the next movie, but there's one more scene we have to talk about. Mm-hmm. So now, what on, we, back what on the we ship. Discover? So back on the ship, the engineer that was killed by the the giant proto face hugger giant squid, um, it it gave birth to a, um, I think they call it a neomorph, but it's the closest thing in this movie that has looked to a xenomorph from the Alien mm-hmm. movies. Which is um, a child of the three generations, the engineers, yes. the humans, and the... Um, the goo. The goo. It took so three that's generations the to create this Right. Monster. That's the important evolution of the, the... So the goo basically acts as a catalyst. It, mm-hmm. It's basically this biological weapon that the engineers either created or found and harnessed, or tried to harness... And basically what it does is just, like, fast-tracks mutation in a way that usually ends up killing its host. But if you yeah. experiment with it, there are ways that you can, like, crossbreed with one another. Kind of like how the human race exists, according to the theory of evolution. Revolution. <laughs> evolution. <laughs> Silly. Um, it's like how we bred with, like, Neanderthals to, like, advance as a species. So in this case, it's, like the neomorph is like the neanderthal to the Mm -hmm. the xenomorph it's like an ancestor 
that is going to get more like the xenomorph the more it reproduces with other species because it is it, it, part of its dna is that it like mutates to whatever it's like host is you know what i mean mm-hmm. like how it turns into dogs or people or scorpion queens <laughs> yeah uh. but that is prometheus yeah Prometheus, um, now we gotta get more of the, like, why it's Prometheus, like the, you know, the the Greek myth of the Titan that, like, took fire from Olympus to give to humans, and it was, like, Mm -hmm. his downfall. It's like, yeah, it it plays, because there's so many themes in this movie, it plays to those themes on so many different levels of, like, how that applies. It's all about humanity's relationship with their creators and the consequence of trying to interact with and defy them. Right, um, yeah. I mean, it's it's a really cool impetus for an alien prequel. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I don't remember if I mentioned this earlier or not, but um, how this movie kind of came to be was um, in the early 2000s, they were going to work on another alien movie with um, both Ridley Scott and James Cameron working together. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. But that ended up... Um, getting sidetracked because James Cameron found out that um, they were working on an alien versus predator movie. And James Cameron was like, listen, if you do a crossover, it's going to kill the alien franchise of being like a valid franchise. And so he refused <laughs> to continue to work on it. And then Ridley Scott a couple years later was like, you know what? We had a good idea, but I think it'll work better as a prequel, and if we don't take it directly as a sequel, and, like, we don't have any of a returning cast. Right. And because I think it, it, it really right. is. it really is, uh, I think one of the problems was when it came out, it was marketed as a, a prequel to Alien, mm-hmm. but it's so it's such an original concept that it mostly just works within the universe of the Alien movies as, you know, instead of more being, like, a direct, like a prequel yeah um alien covenant though which we're gonna be covering next week is more in line with that but it's almost like an aliens sequel to prometheus so it's like again still within the same world um but while both of them are still direct prequels to alien Mm -hmm. alien covenant is like actually an alien movie uh as opposed to prometheus kind of providing the, the the setting um, yeah. for the world while still being a, a prequel but it was like it's a prequel in unconventional ways that it doesn't talk at all about what comes after it well and like that's something that i w- i would be very interested to find out how someone who's never seen any of the alien movies reacts to prometheus seeing this first and then going into the alien movies mm-hmm. versus how it affects people who have seen the alien movies and are now seeing the prequel and seeing how it like interacts with the universe in their minds. I think that would be a really interesting thing to find out more about. So if there's anybody out there who hasn't seen yeah. any of the alien movies and wants to run an experiment for us and not David, yeah. um, please <laughs> let us know. Yeah, we will be, be very interested. <laughs> the experiment is harmless. There will be no death. There's no mutation. It's just yes. like, what are, are we going to think? Which I think will be interesting because there are, you know, because alien, we see the alien movies as like action horror movies. There is though a lot of these seeds um, that are not really important plot points as much in the alien movies. But if you watch Prometheus and Alien Covenant, and you get all this background of like 
the franchise as a whole does have mm-hmm. this overarching message about like evolution and like developing into what the alien movies is it's like the perfect predator yeah. but because you know that's the conclusion is like in alien the theme is like this is like the like, the perfect genetically evolved killer mm-hmm. um but back in prometheus it's like okay you can establish like a world of like people create things like people play god and one character who's like what if i could create something that killed better than anything else in the world mm-hmm. that's like the the sub world of like the alien movie that exists within this big universe of a, a good science fiction movie so i think in that way it can work without mm-hmm. you know anyone having seen alien before and then it's like okay if you like prometheus and want more horror type sequels it's like, you know, it took a sci-fi movie and then just made a bunch of sequels that were all horror movies. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anybody who's interested in that, let us know. We'll make sure you have your way about it. Um, yeah. Prometheus is currently streaming on Hulu as of recording. Um, I found that out about halfway through my watch of the movie today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. I just found out about it now. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't find it anywhere, damn it. Yeah. Um. But it is currently streaming, uh, and as we said before, next week we will be continuing on with Alien Covenant. Yes, yes. Alien Covenant is was the 2017 uh, sequel to this one that also serves as a prequel to Aliens, and, you know, for you know those people that can complain about, you know, Prometheus doesn't have aliens in it and people want the aliens, you're going to get them in Alien Covenant, I promise. Yeah, definitely. All right, y'all. Follow us on Instagram at the underscore square horror podcast. You can reach us at squarehorrorpodcast at gmail.com. Remember to follow us on Spotify as well. And if you are someone who wants answers, just think about how um, seeking answers got these people. And then (laughs) reconsider if the question is worth answering. (laughs) And until next time. You all stay spooky out there. I...